Hey, what's up, Will? Sorry, I'm, I'm still chewing in your ear. How are you doing, man? <laughs> I'm doing amazing. How are you doing, Seamus? I'm great. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm totally settling into the LA lifestyle here. I'm eating some kale chips, as you do. Amazing. <laughs> I'm, I'm sipping on. I'm totally on brand. I'm drinking this adaptogenic uh, drink from Rebel. It's an amazing brand. Low sugar, mm-hmm. cool like herbs like maca and ashwagandha and amazing stuff well right on well i'm super excited about our guest today we have the one and only um rob Lowe, who's a childhood hero of mine an incredible actor a very funny person but also one of the original the og wellness dudes i mean this guy has been taking care of himself and has been really really open about talking about everything from addiction to uh fitness to diet for years and uh, total inspiration, and I was just, uh, you know, I was really blown away by the conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm excited, so let's get right into it. Uh, here's our conversation with Rob Lowe. All right, I got my headphones on. You're dialed in. I feel like I feel like a professional. Why does this always make your voice sound so much better? It sounds so good to you. I love it. it. I kind of wish best. I could walk around and just talk like this all the time. I know. It's... I would listen to myself. Fuck, man. It's good. Radio voice. <laughs> What's you, up, guys? Hey. How are you doing? I'm great, man. Thanks. Great. Thanks for joining us. So I can't be there. I'm in Pittsburgh. Oh, wow. Pittsburgh in the middle of July. That's you that's a stop. commitment. What are you doing there? I live here. In Pittsburgh. Well, I'm from Dayton, Ohio, so I, I, I know oh. from whence you speak. Yes. It's an amazing... I love it. I love this city. You got the locusts going and all that, and like in the yeah. middle of summer. Fuck yeah, that's the best. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. Well, so we're super psyched to have you here on Thanks. Goop Fellas, but you've been in this world of wellness <laughs> since long before it was cool. How did you, um, I mean, how did you, you've been eating the same way yeah. for a very long time. Yep. Um, obviously, fitness has been a big part of your life, but was it was it sobriety that got you into into health and it was, food? It was a process. Um I think the first thing was the very first time I ever had to train for a part. Mm-hmm. Notwithstanding on The Outsiders, when we were all 18 and 19-year-old uh-huh. kids, uh, I, Tom Cruise would always beat on my door my hotel room at 8 in the morning and go, come on, we're going to Nautilus. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Does that still exist? I, how gra- I, want, I want to find old Nautilus yeah. machines. They must be barbaric, <laughs> right? Yeah, they're out there with the Nordic tracks. Yeah, hanging out in, in the garbage dump with the Nordic tracks. Yeah, so we would go to Nautilus and and, and together. And but then I did a movie called Young Blood, where I had to play mm-hmm. a hockey player, and I really, really trained hard. Uh-huh. First time I had a trainer. First time anybody, you know, made me pay attention to what I was eating. Uh-huh. You know, first time I ever heard the term amino acids. <laughs> so were you? Did you have to bulk up for this role? Was I it? did. I, I had to put on. I had to put on a bunch of weight and get mass because uh-huh. I was really a skinny little toothpick guy and. Um, and I remember hating it, which which is really amazing looking back on it because now I I love it, mm-hmm. and I have to force myself to take a day off. Right, like all I can think about on any given day, honestly, is when can I work out today? So you think that's mm-hmm. a little bit the 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 addict mentality? It's the addict oh, yeah. for sure. It's the addict. In yeah. Me. And then when I got sober, um, that just that just kind of supercharged it mm-hmm. anyway because I was able to channel, like you say, that kind of compulsion right. into something. Like if I was if I'd made the choice to be healthy enough to stop drinking, then obviously I would also want to double down on the other healthy mm-hmm. lifestyles that I was already doing. But yeah. this is like when late eighties or so. When when was it? Uh, I 
Well, the, the first time I started training was in 80, 84. Uh-huh. And uh, then I got sober in 90. So what was like the, the, the predominant theory around health and wellness and fitness and, and food and diet in, in the 80s? I mean, it's very different now. Yeah. At, it, I mean, Atkins has been around for a long time. Obviously, well, it's, it's but, funny because, yeah, because Atkins was the first thing I ever really remember being a quote-unquote thing. Uh-huh. And, and mm-hmm. my, my notion of it then in the 80s was it was – you know, high, it was the first high protein, low carb sort of thought I'd ever heard of. So mm-hmm. fast forward mm-hmm. to whatever the last four or five years, yeah. and I'm working with Atkins, yeah. spreading that that message. And the reason I do it is because I, I tell everybody is I remember that, and I remember when they were the f- like the first kids on the block. Yeah, with 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 that because I remember carbo loading. Do you remember mm-hmm. that? Oh yeah, yeah. I Very remember. Well. I remember like, like yeah, like you just like would, we're supposed to just chow on like yeah. huge bowls of pasta. I grew up as a cyclist. We used to literally pound the night before a race. You'd pound like two massive plates of of, of pasta, and then you'd sleep and you'd fart all night, and then you'd feel like shit. And the next day, you wouldn't really perform, but that's what we were told to do. <laughs> I know it's it's amazing. I, it feels I could be wrong, but it feels like in the last few years with so much science and so much analytics in life that people have kind of really figured out the sweet spot of yeah. what we should all mm-hmm. be doing. Yeah, there's some broad strokes. I mean, Will, you know, you, Will's got an incredible book called The Ketotarian, and he he brings a lot of the same sort of original philosophy of of of, uh, of Atkins to, to the table with a much more modern lens. I mean, Will, are you seeing in your practice the same sorts of things where we're starting to see broad strokes that make sense for most people? Yeah, totally. I think it's it's real food and it's finding out how to use real food that makes sense for your physiology and your blood sugar. I'm I'm curious, Rob, what does like for the people that want to know out there, which is everybody, what's a typical day look like eating Atkins for you? Great. And and again, this is why it works for me and is or, and is organic is I would be eating this way whether or not I was working with Atkins or not cuz so I I I start out yeah. in the morning with maybe some like Greek yogurt and um, some paleo granola and I brought snacks by the way. I look, I look. Here come the <laughs> snacks, dude. I'm so impressed. Eggs. I haven't gotten to the level where Salt. I, I haven't gotten to the level where I pack my own stuff like this. Yeah, look at this. Here, That's dive in when you want. Oh my god, this is so good. Well, the other thing is my new my new wrinkle in this yeah. is I'm doing intermittent. Fast. I can't eat until till one o'clock today. So um, anyway, so yeah, so if I'm not intermittent fasting, and I'll get to that in a minute. Um, you know, it's a, it's a pretty light breakfast, and then um, I'm going to go and give myself some time to digest it, but then I'm going to go do something really fun. I mean, if I have my day wide open and there's surf, I'm going to go surf. And mm-hmm. if I'm surfing, I'm out there for two or three hours, you know, easy. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, it's circuit training, you know, with, you know, or it's, or it's the Peloton. I'm obsessed with my Peloton. Everyone I'm is. obsessed with it, dude. I am. <laughs> Who's uh, your favorite instructor? Who's uh, your favorite? Pe- okay, here's my theory, and it's, it's kind of a, a cold take, as my kids would uh-huh. say. All right. I like the dudes who bust my ass. Uh-huh. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, I love, uh, I mean, Jen Sherman, I love with her 80s stuff. She always does, like, you know. Rob Lowe callbacks like here's St. Elmo's fire get that heart rate up or whatever <laughs> but but um I and then but there are all these kind of like really gorgeous women who kind of like flirt at the camera I I, I want a guy who's going to bust my 
bust mm. me up. Yep. So yeah. I really love when you get the Tour de France guys. Mm-hmm. Like I love I love doing the stages of the Tour de France. It's have you ever, so cool. Have you ever done a class with George, with George Hincapie? Yeah, oh, George is the best, but yeah. he doesn't do it enough. No, he doesn't sometimes. When, I, when I'm in New York and he's there, I always go and do a class with him. So he's, he's, my, he's, he's, he's the one who started getting, I, I stumbled upon him. Yeah. And and he's the guy. And there's now there's a couple others, but that's that that's what I love yeah. to do. I love that. And, and what I've also learned um, is that my, my trainers are like, dude, you spend too much time in the junk zone, mm-hmm. garbage miles, garbage miles. Yeah, where it's like my heart rate's cr- going ape, but it's mm. not going ape enough. Yeah. So I l- the thing I've been working on now is really doing the fat burn where Mm -hmm. to me it feels like I'm not doing anything. It feels like a complete waste of time to be honest. I'm like, Mm -hmm. I hate this. But you're really burning fat. Mm -hmm. And then going crazy and and, and pushing yourself. My my trainer and I talk about, yeah, I'm 55. So they're like, look, at this point, it's about longevity, Mm -hmm. not getting injured. And, you know, when you're taking it easy, really take it easy. But, and when you're doing it, really do it. What's your take on recovery? Yeah. Like, well, how do you? What does recovery look like for you? And have you done done any of the crazy recovery things? Like, I mean, there's crazy shit, and there's really crazy shit. You know, I'm obviously cold baths, cold exposure, and stuff like that. Is that stuff, are you into it? I'm way into it. Okay. I, 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 in fact, um, I'm kind of obsessed with getting a, a really serious cold plunge put in. Mm-hmm. I haven't yet. Um, cryo is insane. Yeah. I love it. I feel like cryo is kind of baby steps though. When you do the proper real cold plunge, it's a totally different world. It is. It, it, it is. And I'd like to, as you know, you got to work into that. You know, yeah. you get, you, yeah. I mean, the great news is once you get beyond that threshold, you can sit in there forever. That's it's what people forget. It's totally true. You know, I, mm-hmm. I recently, I have a friend who's really into it and he's, he's, I do it a lot with him. And, um, he's taught me a bunch of breath work that totally blew my mind. And just one of the most simple things was just, exhaling and on an empty, like completely empty after you've exhaled, then getting into the tub with purpose, not jumping in, not going, not tiptoeing in, but exhaling all your breath out. So you're completely empty, sliding into the water, getting up above your, your, um, your thyroid. Oh, he said that was really important to, really? to, to get your thyroid into the water. And then that calms your parasympathetic nerve and slowly breathing through your nose once you're in the water. Because our our, our, our instinct is to like, <gasps> take a big breath and jump in the water. And then we're all tense. And when you're tense, you, all your nerves are firing. So you feel everything much yeah. more versus like if you get in, relax with no air, and then slowly fill yourself up, you can actually start to control your breath. And you don't go to that that crazy like fight or flight mode. That's great. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a game changer for me. Yeah, it's, I, look, it's like when you get injured, ice is the miracle drug. Yeah. And so cold is is great. I, I would love to figure out a way to to implement that more into my day. But mm-hmm. but you know, so back to the original question of like my what my day would be like. Then you know, I've got to figure out how to do my businesses and things like that. And when I'm shooting, that's a whole different schedule. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that um, from the West Wing to Parks and Recreation on through anything mm-hmm. I've ever done on television, which is the grind where you're working five days a week. Um, I never had a lunch break ever where I wasn't mm. in the gym. Really, and and people thought I was out of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like they're like, all right, that's lunch, and I'm ripping my clothes off <laughs> and throwing my workout outfit on and mm-hmm. running to the gym. But it's such a game changer for me. It, it keeps my mood up. Um, you feel a sense of purpose in the middle of the day. You feel right. like hell yeah. You know, you look around at a crew of. 
250 pe- people, they're all great and whatnot, but you know you're the only one who mm-hmm. went out there and did that. Mm-hmm. And it really pumps you up. Um, and the other thing, little things like, you know, and, and we have what we call the craft services, which is the table where they put yeah, all the dude. red vines yeah. out. <laughs> it's not this stuff. It's not no. hard-boiled eggs with- Although with on, <laughs> on Parks and Recreation, you got our craft service up. table was top-notch. Nice. So there, there is a movement yeah. of, of great craft service, mm-hmm. but it's still a lot of it is, is pretty bad. But on the West Wing, I never even knew where the table was. <laughs> I never went. Not yeah. once. Never knew where it was. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It's, I mean, I, so what are you I, typically having for dinner? Um, so dinner, I mean, listen, I, I love my roasted chickens. Um, I love my paleo pastas, which, you know, shrimp, um, steaks. I, 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 you know, I'm a big steak guy. I'm listening. I'm like, and I order at Pittsburgh. You'll appreciate that. Um, yes. you know, chart on the outside. Well, by the way, you're in Pittsburgh. How did that invention, how did that become a thing? Is that, is that what everybody sure. in Pittsburgh eats their steak? Yeah, it is a, a thing. I think you'll be kicked out of the city if you don't get it that way. So what is it? But. This is not the dirty steak. Is it charred steak? I don't know. Yeah, yeah so you, if you order a steak Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Yeah. Don't that know is, this? I yeah. should know this, but I don't. You should know this. Yeah. Um, that means charred, charred, crispy burn victim uh-huh. on the outside and um, kind of medium, medium rare on the inside. Okay. And it's genius. Mm-hmm. I'm down. Yeah. The Maillard so effect, a little cur- caramelization on the outside. Yeah. I'm down. Yeah. I'm curious how you intermittent fast. You mentioned it. How do you do it? What what changes have you noticed since you started doing it? Um, I started when a, a, a friend of mine uh, became a big Marvel star. And I was like, all right, I want to know. Give me the inside. Mm-hmm. What I really wanted to know is what kind of shit they're putting in their veins. And he right. wouldn't tell me that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, let's like, Can I get the good stuff. Yeah, we're, we're all adults here. <laughs> I know, let's get the brown uh, juice. I know what's going on. Um, but I did. I was able to get the uh, the intermittent fasting plan out of them, and um, so I'd never heard of it. Uh-huh. And because um, I had, I had always, uh, my thinking was that thing of well, you got to breakfast is the most important meal of the day. And if you don't start um, putting food in your system, your, your body knows it. And then it actually starts storing fat. Mm-hmm. because it, So that's what I was thinking. And I had always had to force myself to eat in the morning. Mm-hmm. And I remember all my life, I was always skinny. And all my life, I never ate, ever, mm-hmm. until 11, at least. Mm-hmm. I just didn't think about it. It wasn't a thing. So it was really easy to go back to that. And what I found for me was that um, intermittent fasting at a minimum kept my weight stable. Mm-hmm. And if I was working out, it I, I definitely lost weight for sure. And it's just – for me, it actually allows me to cheat a little bit, to be totally mm-hmm. honest. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Like if I – last night, I was at a, a function till really late at night, could – you know. D- was starving, went out, ate really late, had a burger, mm-hmm. had fries. It was the only thing open. And I know like with intermittent fasting, it's going to be a push. Mm-hmm. It, it literally will be a push. It won't, there'll be, there'll be no added thing for me. Yeah. And if you, but to get there, you really do have to retrain your metabolism to a point that you can handle going for long periods of time without eating. And, and I mean, that's sort of the, the deal, isn't it? I mean, that's what we were meant designed yeah. to do. It's how we evolved. I spent some time mm-hmm. in Africa this last year, mm-hmm. um, and uh, went with uh, God. I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher the name of the tribe, um, but they're one of the oldest. They're, they're one of the oldest tribes in Africa, and very few people get to spend any time with them. Mm-hmm. But I I was able to for a day, 
And their normal day was literally walking around looking for food. They found a bee's nest and ate the honey, and they mm-hmm. were going, they loved it. Then they found a tortoise, and they ate that. And there's probably there were probably I don't know forty people mm-hmm. in the tribe, and it was a turtle, not a big turtle, like a you know a turtle the size of your head, maybe right. a little bit. And a turtle for two, not a turtle for 40. Not a turtle for 40. And so they had honey and a, a turtle for 40, and that was their meal for at least uh, at least half the day. Mm-hmm. And I don't know mm-hmm. what dinner was like, but that's nothing. And so, they're walking yeah. the whole time. I mean, they're active. It's like- They didn't have any protein shakes. No. no. no like goo packs. They didn't know. Nothing. <laughs> so I want to know about surfing. Oh, I love it. Oh, my God. Talk to me. Because I recently just got into it, and- it's such an incredibly well. One, you can't have your phone with you, which is one of the best parts about surfing. Yep, it forces you to disconnect. Yep. But how did how did you get into it? Because it doesn't seem like Dayton, Ohio, is a place to do a lot of surfing. Well, it, it wasn't, and I moved from Dayton directly to Point Doom, Malibu, mm-hmm. and you know I showed up with my Levi Tough skins, <laughs> and I remember those. Remember those? Yeah, how great, were, right? Yeah. And people were like, "Who is this kook?" <laughs> and and also Malibu then was really local localized is what they call it and mm-hmm. it was like badass gnarly guys in the water and they and so like I knew that if I went out to try to surf or learn I would mm-hmm. get the shit beaten out of me mm-hmm. so that was not like not an option so the great irony is I grow up in Malibu as a teenager and don't know how to surf mm-hmm. because the guys were such assholes mm-hmm. and so I le- I lead but I spent a lot of time in the water Body surfed, boogie boarded. You could do that. So I learned the mechanics of the wave. Like I knew that really well. But I didn't know how to surf. So I turned 40 and I go, I'm going to learn how to surf. So this is a recent thing. So yeah. Wow, it's so I learned at 40. Mm-hmm. Um, I took lessons. I was in Hawaii and you got you to gotta take a lesson and you got to be where it's warm and you got to be where the waves are consistent. If right. you do anything other than that, you're going to hate it. Right. You're never going to do it. Um. And I've, I've been obsessed with it ever since. And now I go back to Point Doom, mm-hmm. and I paddled out for the first time at my neighborhood surf break at 40 years nice. old. And the same assholes were there. <laughs> but it was okay because I was famous now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you surf with your kids? I do. I got, I got my kids into surfing and fishing in the water. Uh-huh. And they've surpassed me now. Like what kind of fish? Spear fishing or, or spear fishing? Uh-huh. Um, any my my oldest son Matthew uh, is is one of the great watermen I know. Like uh-huh. if left to his own devices, he would just be uh, you know, like a merchant marine and dangling uh-huh. a line in the water, going through the Straits of Hormuz or something. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, they they do. I do all that stuff with them. And I, skiing is another huge thing uh-huh. for me. I'm really the other thing is I have to be outside. Mm-hmm. Have to. And I don't know if it's mm-hmm. from, you know, those days in the Midwest where you can't wait for the weather to turn and you, right. you run around with your shoes off all yeah. summer long, but I never grew out of that. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, like, even the notion of going in and watching a movie is really hard for me. I mm-hmm. have to be outside in, in the elements. Do you, do you ever yeah. cycle outside? That's the one thing I haven't done, and frankly, because by the time... If I were in Texas or – and I know Santa Barbara where I live is one mm-hmm. of the great places. But even that for me, it's like by the time you stop at the stop sign and you unclip and then you get to mm-hmm. the other stop sign and you navigate your way through traffic and then you get to, quote, unquote, the ride. Yeah. 
I, I, I've already had 20 minutes of the ride on my Peloton, mm-hmm. and yeah. I'm outside yeah. enough with other things. Right. Yeah, that's, that's right. the only challenge with cycling is that there's a lot of junk to get to actually ride unless you happen to meet – I mean, I love mountain biking, and that to me is a total play because you're out – you're basically like being a kid. You're jumping off of things and drop-offs and yeah. getting bruised and, you know – I'm scared of it. Up. I did it for a minute, and honestly, I was like, this is a clavicle break waiting Way to down. happen. Yeah, it me. is <laughs> for most people. Yeah. I don't know any cyclists who haven't broken their clavicle. Yeah, yeah I can just right feel passage. it. Yeah. Uh, this thing is I've gotten a little older. I, I listen to those things. Mm-hmm. I never used mm-hmm. to, ever. And now I'm actually really proud of the fact that like I, I'm not compelled to do, quote unquote, one last run mm-hmm. skiing. Yeah. You know, or I was like, I, got, I have nothing to prove. I, uh, it's, it's, it's longevity. I see people who get injured and that's, that would drive me insane. Like I, I blew my Achilles out and I couldn't work out and I mm-hmm. couldn't do what I want. I would it'd be, forget my business, mm-hmm. just, it would be the worst. So I know you can't, you know, um, there's no guarantees and it could happen to anybody and, mm-hmm. and people get ill and all that, but stuff where I go, I feel like I could get hurt. I'm, 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 I'm actually kind of grown up now mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. You know, your limits. Yeah, for sure. You're, you are kind of an anomaly in Hollywood in that you've been married for a really long time. You are obviously – I've heard um, you talk about the, the choices you've had to make in your own career to, to stay close to your family, particularly when your boys were younger. And I'm curious to know as a father of, of two young men now, how have you, um, how have you tried to be a model for your own, your own boys and, and teach them to be, to be good men? I think part of being a really good man is understanding your vulnerability, understanding your, your, your own fallibilities and recognizing that, and that plays into relationships. What's, um, yeah, and it's funny. My, my anniversary was last night. Oh, so no Sh- way. Yeah, Cheryl and, I, Cheryl and I celebrated 28, 28 years. Wow. How long have you known each other? Awesome. Uh, married 28, and we were together f- three years before that. Uh-huh. Um, off and on. And she was my best friend, is still, but she was my best friend. Mm-hmm. And I, people always ask, you know, what, do you have any advice about marriage? And, and I say, I, I'm reminded of when they asked Alfred Hitchcock advice about making a hit movie. <laughs> and he said, it's all about the casting. Yeah. And that's the mm-hmm. same with marriage. It's, it really is all about who you pick. And, yeah. I, and you know, I always say to people, if there's any way to marry your best friend, do it. Because mm-hmm. the rest of it comes yeah. and goes. Mm-hmm. Um. And I was very lucky there. Uh, and in terms of like the vulnerability of it all in, in kids is like, you know, le- leading by example is, is really the only way. You know, I mean, you can have all the fireside chats you want. Right. But, but particularly when it comes to navigating the world, they, they learn by what they see and by mm-hmm. what they're around. Both good and bad. You know, if, 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 if it's a bad example, they learn from that. If it's a good example, they learn from that. And um, – you know, I, I um, the one thing though that has been a part of our family is the notion of therapy mm-hmm. as a sort of um, proactive, non-shaming, like a trainer. Mm-hmm. It's like like I, we we think of going to therapy or talking to a quote unquote therapist. As, it's literally no different than a chiropractor. I feel like I need to go to the chiropractor today. I'm yeah. feeling a little tight in my hips. No, we treat it as reactively, like, oh, we fucked up. We got a problem. Now we got to go fix it rather than let's learn how to be better communicators and be a better better parent, better spouse. And communication is that like, half of us don't know how to communicate. We don't mm. – and it's only getting yeah. worse with texting and all of that. It's Communication is – is a huge thing, and, and, and I, we still struggle with it. I mean, you know, Cheryl and I still, 
you know, we have somebody that we would see if we ever felt like we we need it. Mm-hmm. Less and we do it less and less. But there have been times where we were in, uh, you know, seeing someone for, gosh, you know, and I, and I look forward to it. I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, yeah, now let's go do it. Because um, I, I always come out of it feeling even more reconnected. But I think that people look at it as a sign of trouble. Right. So like there, then there's an admission that the relationship is in trouble mm-hmm. or there's shame around it or they don't want to do it. I think it's bullshit. But there's a lot of ener- bad energy around it. And I think right. people thought of it. Literally, it's no different than going to like a chiropractor or, or your, your trainer. You're training your ability to connect with somebody who, that's mm-hmm. important to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's super important. I have a 13-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. Do you have any advice? Like I see my son becoming this man boy. He's like not my little baby anymore. (laughs) I know. Your kids are in their early 20s, right? How do you, any advice for me? Well, first of all, read, go online and and read my chapter about sending your firstborn to college. First of all, you you can Google it. It's from my second book, Love Life. And- when I wrote the chapter, I was like, I don't know if I should write this. So many people go through the same thing. There's mm-hmm. nothing special about this. And it turns out of, of the two books that I wrote, that's the thing that people share the most. And every year during college dropping off season, it's it's like a viral thing. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, because it speaks to that. It speaks to like watching your baby really do that last step into their own lives, mm-hmm. and if you're as connected and involved as I was, it it, it was it was brutal. I, I'm gonna, not going to be. Yeah, it was brutal for me. It was 100% the hardest thing I have gone through, other than the death of my mother. And what I realize mm-hmm. is, it's you know, like everything else, it, it it's always ends up being about you. Of course, it's about <laughs> your your own your own your own mortality, yes. and you're realizing you're getting old, and yes. you're, you're not necessary anymore. Yeah, it was just the worst. And then and then it comes around, and now you know, of course, I thought it was the end. It turns out it was actually the beginning. Uh-huh. Mm. Um, I remember, I, you know, two boys within two years of age. I remember the ages of really. 15 and a half, frankly, to 21 mm-hmm. as being brutal, just mm. brutal. I mean, you know, it's all their relationship with alcohol, girls, cars, like really serious, like you you can fuck your life up in one second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I remember being so tired, so tired. That and you see white parents raise the white flag. You do mm-hmm. like you look around and you'll be like, those parents are so checked out. Literally, they, they're you, done. They're yeah. like they've they've got the. It's like it's not easy. Right. It's not. It's yeah. exhausting. It, it's fulfilling and it's fun. But d- the notion that it doesn't exhaust you is insanity. Mm-hmm. So then you get to the point where they're old enough and smart enough to beat the shit out of you, <laughs> where they can just <laughs> grind you and 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 grind you to, to get what they want, and you mm-hmm. finally just go fuck it. Yeah, great, whatever. And put your head yeah. in the yeah. sand. It's so compelling to do, mm-hmm. and right. the the parents who don't do it are, are the ones who really make the difference. But you see people checking out all the time. We're yeah. like, you know. Um, but I, I was glad when they got out of that phase. Mm-hmm. I really was. I mean, yeah. they were they were really good kids, and they they gave me a run for my money for sure. Particularly the the young one. Um, but they turned out to be really good citizens. But mm-hmm. you know, listen, raising men. In this society is really hard. It's really yeah. hard. 
was like, guys, you're Don't going be. off to college. You're single, white, straight, privileged. You got everything going for you. Privileged. You, you tick every wrong box yeah. right now. And you see people who either are entitled or mm-hmm. they're, they're virtue signaling and overcompensating so horrendously on the other end of it. Yeah. Um, so, so finding, like anything in life, it's like finding the, the authentic balance. Right. Is, and, and for me, that's been the great journey of my life is is like finding out who my what what is authentic who who am i authentically mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. which is the same thing we're the same journey we're, we're we're all on and you know um i did make a choice to raise my my kids out of los angeles proper so we went mm-hmm. to santa barbara and santa barbara is a really interesting place where you get captains of industry but you also have you know you know, you know, school teachers and, you know, you have the people who are, you know, working at shops and it's every socioeconomic class. Um, and the one thing is it's not in any way all focused on the entertainment industry. Mm-hmm. And that to me yeah. was a really what, big thing. I, right. I, yeah. So that was intentional for you to get out of Hollywood. 100 percent. And I remember for me, the, the, the day it dawned on me is when my first son was going to go into um, preschool. And I was looking at preschools, and somebody said, you know who you need to talk to to get into that preschool? Mike Ovitz, who was a big agent at the time. And I thought, I cannot live in a place where I have to go to my agents. To get your kid into To get preschool. my kid into pre. I can't do it. And I was like, okay, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's great. That's awesome. I think – look, I, I, I think talking about young men, because there's so many dads out yeah. there, you know, and like – you know, raising sons is such a, I'm, I'm so passionate about it. I'm mm-hmm. passionate about mentoring. Mm-hmm. I do a lot of work with adolescents, um, particularly around drugs and alcohol. Um, and I spend a lot of my, my, my free time speaking on that and traveling the country and, um, you know, how, my, how important recovery was to me. And, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's really, it's really tough because all part of being, 16, 17, 18, 19. The, the great irony is by the time they're 21 and can actually drink legally, they've mm-hmm. long since cemented their relationship. Oh, yeah, with alcohol. With they alcohol, are, they, yeah. they already know all about it. They know all about it. They're either already alcoholics, right. honestly, or, On the yeah, or, the, or, or they're already going to be totally fine. Right. Normies, as yeah. we call them. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I... You know, the, you, you, there are stories of sending, you know, your, your young ones to rehabs. And so, by the way, I'm a big believer in that. Mm-hmm. I'm a big believer. I'm a big believer in, like, the minute you know it's a problem, of course, correct. It's, it's better to overreact than underreact. Yeah. 100%. And you know what? It may take four times. It may take five times. But if you've got one of, quote, unquote, those kids, mm-hmm. it... it, it, it all you're trying to do is keep them alive until they can do it for themselves. You know, I, I know for me, I can remember one of my earliest memories, um, and you can you can uh, psychoanalyze this in my relationship <laughs> with my father. Uh, all you want from this little anecdote is being in maybe first grade uh-huh. or earlier, probably. And me, my dad offering me a sip of his beer mm. and me guzzling it. Wow. Wow. And then throwing up. But so, you didn't learn though. <laughs> no. And by the way, what what normal kid like immediately goes, gug, 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 yeah. like I would, a regular person would sip it. What is right. this? 
oh, whatever. Reflect, yeah. And not me. So, you know, and that's first grade or younger. So wow. I, I think it's, I think it's in, in, if it's in you, it's in you. Yeah. And then, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the thing that bears repeating a thousand billion trillion times is that no one can get into recovery successfully for their parents, for their job, for their boyfriend, for their girlfriend, for their kids, for their family. They can only do it for themselves. Yeah. And unless mm-hmm. they're ready, it's not going to happen. It is right. not going to. Yeah. And you, now you have those amazing stories of people who are forced into rehabs or whatever against their will and the light goes on there. So that 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 does happen. Mm-hmm. And and so you you that which is why you keep trying and you keep you know, you you keep pounding away at them, but don't think there anybody's ever going to do it for anything other than themselves. And the good news is, once they do do it for themselves, it's actually easy. Mm-hmm. What, what's the word? Mm-hmm. It's you know, it's simple, mm-hmm. but it's not easy. Right. It's very right. all recovery is very very simple. It just isn't easy. What was that moment of clarity for you? You twenty nine years sober. Congratulations, by the way. Thank you. What What was that that cl- moment of clarity for yourself? I, I literally just said that I started <laughs> reaching to, for <laughs> something like, to drink. Oh, let me get something to drink. It's but unfortunately, it's just water. Um, <laughs> I, I was lucky that I had that I had what they call a high bottoming out. You know, I never lost a job over it. I never, you know, I, I never had any big, you know, issue that even sounds remotely compelling to share other than for me, it was my, uh, I've always been close with my family and my mother calling me in the days of answering machines and me listening to her leave a message on my answering machine and not pick up where she's telling me my grandfather was in the hospital with a heart attack and I couldn't pick up because I was drunk. So, um, and then I walked into the, the, my bathroom and I literally looked at myself in the mirror and it was like a bad ABC after school special. And Mm -hmm. I I looked at myself in the mirror and said, okay, this is, this is, this is over. And I'd been carrying in my wallet, the num the, the card of a drug and alcohol counselor for a year and a half. Where did you get that from? I I ran into her at a party. And I was like, wait, so you help people stop drinking? Well, what is that? And I was like obsessed with Do you think she it. saw into you and uh, she, was like, she was like, <laughs> she's like, you need this card. Uh, yeah. I think she took one like <laughs> me and goes, I have a card for you. But uh-huh. I kept it. Yeah. I couldn't even keep track of my sunglasses or wallet. Wow. And I kept whatever. I, right. I was able to hang on to this until the day I needed it. And then yeah. I called and the rest was. But I was, when I was ready, I was ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, that light went on for yeah. me. And if they told me to go stand in the traffic naked, I would have done it. Mm-hmm. I was ready. Right. And, you, and the other thing is like, what makes us addicts can also make us really successful in recovery. Like I'm right. a, I am, I am so fucking competitive. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the minute I got five days, I was like, I'm getting six days. Right. And the minute I got a week, I was like, you know, I'm getting two weeks. And the minute I got three weeks, I was like, nobody's fucking taking my time. There isn't a drink. There isn't a Pinot Grigio or a fucking... You know, I remember, I remember Keith Richards asking me to come to his hotel mm-hmm. uh, after a Stones concert, and I whatever was, si- was going to happen there. <laughs> I, yeah, I was six months sober, and he was my hero. Uh-huh. And I remember that was a big moment for me. I was like, I was like, and I was like, you know, not even Keith Richards hanging with mm-hmm. Keith Richards is getting me to give up six months. And yeah, so yeah. That, they, people talk about it being one day at a time. It is, but I'm a big believer in counting time. Yeah. Because um, 
the notion of starting back at zero for me is a, a, like a complete anathema. But right. it's so important to build that momentum. And when you do build that, the challenge, of course, is that if you fall off the rails, not to become the person that's like, oh, fuck it. I'm yes. done. Yes. I'm over. And I think that happens oftentimes with addicts because they become addicted to sobriety. And then the moment that they break and they relapse, it's so difficult to not just completely feel as though you're, you're, you have no willpower. Well, and the other thing is, and Liz and I have t- my my journeys. I've been blessed that I haven't had to do that. But I, like you say, I know plenty of people who have. I have family members who who have had, you know, years of sobriety and, and mm-hmm. slipped and and are back. Um, and so that's that's a thing. That's definitely a thing. But I also know here's the good news about it: if you're doing it right, mm-hmm. it's pretty hard to slip. Yeah, I well, mean, that's honestly, you need, that's like, when you need the support system. You like, need the team. Like the the. Falling off the wagon doesn't happen overnight. You've mm-hmm. it's like people talk about dying, and there are certain people who tell me that people don't just die; they've actually been dying for a while. Hmm. That's interesting. And and then there's just finally the last day that they've been dying, mm-hmm. and that is for sure tr- true with a drug and alcohol slip. Mm-hmm. Like they've been slipping for a while, and picking up the bottle or the drug is literally only the last right. bit of the slip. Yeah. Have you, do right. you have, uh, I mean, I, this is kind of a woo-woo term, but do you have a spiritual practice or is that something that's been a part of you, whether it's religion or, or spirituality that has really helped you on, on your, you know, on the path you're on? 100%. I mean, it's interesting. I came to to believe in a, in a higher power and I'm comfortable calling it God. A lot of people just say higher power because mm-hmm. God has such connotations for people both positive and and um and not positive for some um but that's how i came to have any relationship with that was through was through recovery Mm -hmm. and i also Mm -hmm. it's just my own personal thing that i couldn't have done any of it without really believing and i had to come to believe it i didn't believe in any i was i was not agnostic per se Mm -hmm. but i i had no i i I probably had a prejudice if i was really honest with myself Uh about "Quote unquote religious people," right? And in spite of the fact that my my all my family was, um, and and now um, I'm I'm really comfortable in that world, and I, I pray every day, mm-hmm. every day, um, and I think that's really critical, and I think it's a it's a component that if you don't get right, mm-hmm. that th- you're not going to have any long term success. Right. It's so freeing, yeah. particularly for a competitive fucker like me. It's mm-hmm. like. To like turn the wheel over to somebody else, mm-hmm. I just go, oh, thank yeah. God, yeah, thank you, thank you. I mean, that's that's what I that's inevitably what I come away with mm-hmm. is like, mm-hmm. I I don't have Surrender. to I, honestly I don't have to make any choices. Mm-hmm. I just have to be open to what God wants for me, mm-hmm. and then and then yeah. act accordingly. You know, it's just it, it's it just it it feels like I can just relax a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you find, like, looking back over your years, do you see that higher power, God, like, his hand or the higher power's hand in, in your life? Oh, my gosh. One billion percent. And and in the way I see it is is the number one lesson of, like, it doesn't – it's not – like, my parents' divorce is a great example. Like, I – it was the most traumatic thing imaginable for me. And – it was really bad, and and it's one of the reasons why I work so hard at my marriage. Is it's it, it's really tough on kids, it really mm-hmm. is. I'm not. I, I used to like minimize it a lot, 
And the, the more I see, the more I live, the more I realize it's actually even worse than I thought it was for, for kids yeah. to go through. How old were you when they split? Four. Oh, God. So you're really young. Yeah. And um, But on the other side of it, that inexorably led to me having my dream fulfilled, uh-huh. which was being mm-hmm. a successful actor. I don't have, for sure don't have that if they don't divorce. Mm-hmm. If they don't divorce, my wife, my, my, my mother doesn't marry the third husband who gets a job in California that makes us move to California, which I hated, by the way, hated moving away from <laughs> Ohio. And that, and then that puts me in a place to do, so, you know, it, it, it God doing his will for you does not always look good. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't always look pretty. Mm-hmm. And in the long run, though it works out, I can also remember when I first got sober, they were like, you know, your, your dreams will come true and sobriety or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so I had my dreams, right? And none of them came true. None of them. But what did happen was even better. Right. Different dreams. Different dreams that, that I couldn't have imagined for myself. Yeah. I didn't have the ability to even imagine that stuff for myself. Yeah. All right. We're going to do a couple of rapid fire questions. Great. All right. So I'm hydrating up for this. Hydrate for this, especially for this first question. Keep your water on hand. Mm -hmm. Almond butter or peanut butter? Peanut. No way. Listen, I know all I'm supposed to say. Wow. Are the answers? (laughs) These are honest. We want honest answers. Okay, well, that was the answer then. It's peanut butter for me too. Really? 100%. Oh my God. I'm an almond butter dude, 100%. All right. Down dog or hang 10? Oh, Dude, d- Down Dog is so, you're just like, ah, yeah. It's I'm good, go- right? It's so good. But it sucks when you don't do it. Because if Down Dog, for me, the, when I started yoga eight years ago, it was like the hardest thing in the world. And now I'm like, oh, I love being in Down Stretching Dog. is a new thing I've added into my repertoire. I don't, I hate it. Uh-huh. I hate it, hate it. I don't want to do it. I bitch and moan about going. And <laughs> it, it's like, particularly, you know, that you got to move like a young, I have to move. I can't move like. An old guy. No way. Not in what I do. So stretching, down All dog. Right. All right. This one, let's see if you get this one. <laughs> Simon and Simon or Dukes of Hazard? Okay. Well, you have to understand. What those, you probably were on TV <laughs> in the 80s, right? Yeah, yeah. Can I tell you something? Yeah. Google me. I wasn't watching TV in the 80s. No way. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> um, I was out at night. No way. Okay, so, so I have neither. a whole honestly, I have a whole era of television uh-huh. that I never saw, honestly, because I was just out cutting a fucking swath. The '80s, baby. You think I was home watching the Dukes of Hazard? Are you mental? <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> okay, here's one: green juice or green smoothie? Ooh, green juice. I like my my green juice to taste like the inside of a lawnmower. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Honestly, I want it just, to taste like a literally like a lawnmower. It's, <laughs> Lawnmower juice. Yeah. That's it. All right. One last question. Ribeye or filet mignon? Oh, easy. Ribeye all day long. <laughs> Wins. Winner. Winner, winner. Chicken and dinner. And Pittsburgh. That's right. Pittsburgh. We brought it home. We We've did. come full circle. circle. Who knows how to make a podcast? His name is Rob Lowe. <laughs> there he goes. He dropping, <laughs> dropping bombs. Rob, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a lot of fun. That's awesome. Thanks, you guys. Thank Appreciate you. it. Well, what'd you think? I thought that was a great convo. What a, what a cool dude. Such a good conversation. It really was an awesome... I'm blessed to even have, have, have had that conversation with Rob Lowe, but about parenting and just being 
a man in the 21st century, I really got a lot out of it. Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to hear about his routines, what he's been doing for so long. Um, he talked a little bit about, you know, some of the things that are really important to him from working with, with young, young, young boys mostly who are struggling with addiction. Um, that notion that... Um, addiction is something it's like a it's a daily job to work on you know as sobriety I, I loved how he's he used his competitive nature and his athletic competitive nature and applied it to his sobriety um, mm -hmm. and I love that he was willing to speak openly about being a dad and the struggles of being a dad because I think it's really hard particularly in Hollywood if you're somebody of you know somebody who's who's so well known you're so open to criticism that to be honest and to be real is a really, it's like a fine line. You, you have to be really vulnerable to do that. And you kind of expose mm -hmm. yourself. And I think he does it in a way, and he did it in a way that's really admirable. Um, and I just feel, you know, we're lucky to, to have this conversation with him. Definitely. And I, I feel like the, his comments about addiction and sobriety and going back to using, like if someone goes and has that, that drink again and using again, that is just the end result of a continuum and gradient, and that didn't happen overnight. I never, as someone that's not an addict, I never thought of it like that. And it is like seeing friends that have gone through addiction. That is completely true. You start to see that that movement, that slow gra gradient movement towards using again, uh, and how it's so important as you know someone being in recovery to stay vigilant towards your sobriety. Mm -hmm. Totally. Wow, what a great conversation. Got a question you'd like us to answer? The Goop team is keeping a running list for us, so just hit them up at Goop on Instagram or Facebook. At the end of every episode, we'll be answering a question from one of you guys. If you have a question about us or about men and wellness or really anything else is on your mind, just let us know. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies and ways to approach health and well-being. And I love to talk about food and cooking and, well, reality is anything. I just love to talk. So send your questions over to the Goop team on Instagram or Facebook. As Goop likes to say, nothing is off limits. All right, guys, now it's time for another Ask Me Anything or Ask Us Anything. We should stop calling it that. But Mark asks, do you have any tips to curb sugar addiction? Do you have any tips, Seamus? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, stop eating sugar. <laughs> That's the first one. No, it's not that easy. I mean, the, the and, and I'm glad that he asked the question sugar addiction because we don't really realize that sugar operates on, on the brain in, in much the same way that opiates do. Um, it actually changes our chemistry. So going through getting off of sugar is a lot like getting off of any other addictive substance. It takes, mm -hmm. it's a process. And what's interesting is that when you do start to take sugar out of your life, you realize how much sugar is in processed foods or all the places that sugar exists and how sweet things um, taste that before you didn't realize were that sweet. Uh, and so, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I can't say that I live a sugar-free life because I think that's pretty difficult, but I'm very, very conscientious about how much sugar I consume. Uh, the first thing I do is if I'm, if beverages are where most of it hides. And if you're drinking prepared mm -hmm. beverages, just take a gander at like the nutritional um, contents in the back and you'd be surprised the number of, of like drinks, juices, kombucha even that if when you look at the ingredients, there's like 25, 30 grams of sugar. 
it's a lot of sugar to consume in a in a single serving. So I, you know, one of the things that I, I always try to do is when I'm helping other people get off of sugar is to just start to journal and be aware of how much sugar they're consuming and then try to mm-hmm. reduce that by, you know, a marginal percentage on a daily basis until you start to get it into a place that's that's more manageable. Totally. And I, I think that's something that one way to curb cravings, sugar cravings, is focusing on healthier fats. So bringing things like avocados in, olives, healthy oils like avocado oil, olive oil, nuts and seeds are, is one way to, it's very satiating. Healthy mm-hmm. fats are very satiating. Right. So the more satiated you are, the less your blood sugar is going to be all volatile and on that blood sugar roller coaster mm-hmm. uh, that sort of feeds that hangriness, that sugar addiction. So that's something uh, to think about. But I mean, like you said, Jameis, ultimately, it's just going to be going off of it, allowing your body to readjust, focusing on nutrient dense foods, and giving your body that time to make that metabolic switch uh, to start cleaning, metabolically cleaning and not be depending on the sugar. Uh, I heard it said once that, you know, sugar should be treated like a recreational drug. (laughs) Don't use it very very often. Uh, And some of us are more susceptible to that sort of binging once we have a little bit. So we have to have a reckoning, I guess, with our relationship with sugar uh, and our own specific tolerance to it. Totally. I mean, you think about one of the the old school words for for a dessert is a treat. You're going to have a treat. If you think of it as a treat, like that's something that a treat is something you don't have very often. You know, it's a special, it's a special occasion. It's a treat. So make sure that when you're eating, like have a dessert. If you're going to have a dessert, make sure it's a really good dessert. Have a moderate portion and don't do it all the time. And I think that's totally fine. That's it for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Will and I would love to know what you think about Goop Fellas. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to goop.com slash goopfellas. And we hope you'll be here again next Wednesday. Talk soon.